Before we get started, we want to tell you about another great ESPN podcast, The Right Time with Bomani Jones. Three times a week, The Right Times with Bomani Jones podcast brings you the latest from technology, music, and the very best analysis of the games that we love to watch. Plus, a community of guests that will become your closest friends in no time. Listen to The Right Time with Bomani Jones, Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays, wherever you get your podcasts. If you're listening to this podcast and you don't know by now, we're here to tell you that hockey has returned to ESPN. The NHL season has started back up, and that means you can stream your team's games on ESPN+. Plus, From the Stanley Cup champion Tampa Bay Lightning to the brand new Seattle Kraken. Subscribe to ESPN+, Plus so you don't miss a goal. In the Crease is presented by ADT. Brilliantly safe. The ESPN NHL podcast with Linda Cohn and Emily Kaplan. Hey, everyone. Welcome to In the Crease. Linda Cohn, Emily Kaplan. Uh, another day in the life of the National Hockey League this season. Emily, Calgary Flames making news, sadly. Their games, the next few have been postponed. Six players in COVID protocol and a staff member. My biggest takeaway from this, besides the, you know, dipsy doodling of the league and trying to figure out when to postpone games and when to not, is the fact they're, you know, changing the rules on the fly. Uh, uh, you know, six that, I mean, I hear it from Islander fans on social media. They're like making a joke about this, feeling like they should have been shut down earlier. They had to wait till they got like double digits in players before games were postponed. But I don't kill the league on this, Emily. Um, they're learning on the fly. And, uh, you know, this is kind of getting a little bit serious now because it's hard to determine the spread and they don't want to get into a deep hole here. Yeah, it's tough because the league has said they'll pause games when they feel like it's an active transmission. That's kind of their threshold. But that's so hard to identify. And it's so hard with all of this. It's so nuanced and not one situation is like the other. But the truth is, this is now another postponement of games. And of course, the one thing everyone wants to know is how is this going to affect the Olympics? And there was a board right. of governors meeting last week where Gary Bettman addressed the owners. And what I was told is in those meetings, he basically told the owners, look, you've got to get prepared for going to the Olympics either way. We made a promise to players and we're going to try to see it through. We're not at the point of the threshold yet of postponed games. However, this was again before the Calgary Flames. We'll see if there's other postponements afterwards. But right now, the league is just leaving it up to the players. And it's interesting because new information has now come up about what the playbook is going to look like in Beijing. And now it's not just a three-week quarantine. It's potentially three to five weeks at right. the discretion of the Chinese government. And right, right now, as we stand on Monday... The NHLPA is going to start polling its players. It's already begun. There's a Zoom call scheduled today. There's one on Wednesday. And they're going to like, what do you guys want? There's some guys who are still steadfast in going, Linda, but there's other guys who are really concerned. And we're going to see where it goes. I brought this up last week in our podcast, Emily. I said, I didn't think all the players knew all the details. They weren't like mapped out. And once they see it in the fine print, and I would not leave my life, my career, my future, my present uh, up to the Chinese government and the rules they make. I need to know if I'm a player, all the information I needed to be laid out. And I'm very glad that Donald Fear, that's his job as head of the Players Association, to clue in the players and on what could happen if they have a uh, positive test out there in Beijing. Listen, I don't have to tell you 
just being quarantined in a hotel room, or who knows, it would be in a hotel room in Beijing. You don't know where the heck it could be. It could be just a place where everyone is mixed together. You don't know that. Nobody knows that. But anyway, getting back to it, even if it wasn't in Beijing, it's one thing about the lockdowns from last year. When you're quarantined and you're quarantined, I mean, you could be quarantined in your backyard. It still sucks. Okay. So the point is, imagine being quarantined for three to five weeks in Beijing. So I'm glad the information through Zoom, through whatever, through email is going to get out to these players. And I still predict, I know Robin Leonard was the leader. I still predict there will be players that will be following Robin Leonard and deciding that there's just too much risk here. Yeah. Another aspect of it that isn't being talked about enough is the NHL players weren't able to get COVID insurance. So if a player does test positive over there and has to stay and his game, his team is playing on and they're playing games, he's not going to get paid. Like remember when John Tavares got injured in the last yeah. the players were at, it sucked for him. He was on the sideline, but at least he got his paychecks. Guys wouldn't get their paychecks. And imagine just if you're on a playoff team, knowing that this could be a crucial two to three week stretch and you can't do anything about it. That's definitely got to be eating at some guys. And you mentioned Robin Lanner. There are other guys who are thinking in the same footsteps as him. You know, I've been told that there's some locker rooms in the NHL where there are Olympians and they're like, yeah, we're going like, this is how we feel. And, and nothing's going to change our mind. There's other locker rooms in the NHL. And I, I know at least of one and it's a winning locker room, a team that is going to be a playoff team where the guys are a little less sure and saying, I don't know, like we have something special here. And as important it is for me to play in the Olympics, like these three to five to six to who knows how many weeks of my life could just be hell. And I'm just not sure it's all worth it. So I'm really curious to see what the players association comes up with because there's no blueprint for like, okay, is it a 50%, you know, is it majority 51%, 49%? Are we 80, 20? Like how are we actually going to decide as a governing yeah. body? I think this is, uh, I think we'd have more players gung ho to go to the Olympics and go for the gold. If, the rule changes where you're not quarantined in Beijing. Yes. Right. I mean, I mean, I know it's obvious, but I don't think there would be any pushback because then that can roll the dice. So they're like, okay, if I fail a drug, a positive, if I get a positive COVID test, I can go home. I can hire a private jet. And I can get the hell out of here. But because I have to stay here for so long, a month, even as late as many as five weeks. So if that changes, if there's any hope of that rule changing, by the IOC and everything, everybody involved, the Chinese government, whatever, then that's a, that's a uh, game changer, Emily. Then I, then I will back away a little bit. Here's the other aspect of this whole thing. There could be, again, let's just say there are a, few, a bunch of players from each team, from each country that back away and don't go to Beijing and the Olympics are held as scheduled. Is there an asterisk on these Olympics? I mean, I know these players want to, you know, win the gold for their country. But let's just say there's no, you know, Connor McDavid deciding to play. Let's say there is no Alex Ovechkin. I'm just throwing out names. I'm sure that these guys aren't the ones, but there could be other superstars that back out. Would there be an asterisk? Well, let me tell you first, no Russian players backing out. Trust me, the <laughs> they feel from back home. Uh, I, I can tell you that pretty confidently. Um, no, I mean, look, the 2018 Olympics we had and like Matt Gilroy and Brian Gianta were the star names for Team USA. And we also had a bunch of college kids. So it's a definitely not as great of a tournament. Um, you know, that's why guys were so eager to get back because of what the Olympics means when it's best on best, the highest level. You're right, though, like. It's either NHL players are going or they're not going. I just, I can't envision a situation right now where it's some kind of hybrid. 
And here's the other thing that the league would have to deal with. And this, this would be a challenge. Let's say they don't go. Okay. They don't go. We have three weeks of darkness. We have three weeks of can they fit in games that were postponed during this three week break? Um, Buildings are going to have concerts. Buildings have made other plans not to have hockey games, NBA games, MLA. So what do you do? That's bad for the sport, right? So I've been saying all along that the NHL have this shadow schedule with a one-week break, and they told teams, please don't schedule anything. We need to get this through. But of course, these organizations are going to go for the sure money, especially after the last two years we've all been through losing revenue. So yes, one of these buildings did book up concert dates. It's now probably going to be like a 10-day break at the least. We probably are looking like we're all getting some kind of vacation. They will use the te- that space to fill up games. It just won't be able to be as regularly scheduled as the NHL would like. So guys still get to go to the Caribbean. Yeah. Yay. Yay for them. But uh, I'll tell you something, though. It's the perfect time. It's be sad if there is any darkness during that time. Because, you know, the NFL is over. The Super Bowl is over. That's an opportunity for the league to shine, right? And for them not to play as many games as possible, or in this case, go to the Olympics. I know it's Olympic time. People get into the Olympics. I'm one of those people that I'm sorry. I don't get into other things going on other than the hockey. That's me. I'm in the minority, so I'm not going to be captivated by what else is going on. You don't on. get into the figure skating or Michaela Schifrin or Chloe Kim. I, I appreciate the cross-country skiers. And the all of it and the bobsled and everything else, but I just can't get into it. Not the way Olympics are covered, by the way, that are covered. Um, I don't care whose network is doing it. I don't care if it was ABC and, you know, doesn't matter. The point is, it's a, it's a snooze fest. It's not meant for a sport, real sports fan. It's meant for people that are, you know, tune in every four years to watch a sporting event. To get the backstory. This is a spicy cake, Linda. Yeah, I'm sorry. Doesn't Linda hates the Olympics. I don't hate the Olympics, Emily. It's more like it's not geared for the diehard sports nut, which I grew up being and continue to be. Just show me the events live Would when it's supposed to happen. Would change if it was in a more favorable time zone? Because the last few Olympics all have been in Asia, which is very difficult for us in here in Eastern time, Central time, wherever in North America. Follow. You know, I don't, I'm not going to be that person. No, it's not, should not be geared for North America. What I'm saying is, is the fact that the way, even if it was in our time zone, hey, it's going to be in LA a few years from now. It's still, it still is up to the network where they decide I'm still going to hold back this event because I'm going to get higher ratings later on in the evening. I don't like that control. And I work for television. I don't like that control. By the, I know that's what they pay for. I still don't like it. And that's why it's geared to people that don't care about seeing sporting events when they happen. They don't care if it's on delay. That's always been one of my pet peeves. I don't care if it wasn't even the Olympics. If you told me, Emily, hey, Linda, um, I can't on Tuesday night. I really want to see Rangers Avalanche on ESPN Plus, but I'm going out. So I'm going to tape the game. I'd be like, Emily, what's your point? What are you taping the game for? It makes no sense. What are you doing? If you care about your team, you're watching it live. And that's if you can't see the game, then you can't see the game. Okay, point taken. I know. I went off on a tangent there. I mean, I had to, you know, I had to. I just felt like it. Um, okay. holding that down your chest for the last four years. Every that's four exactly. years. No. Every four years, I bring out, I go on that rant. So, yeah. And by the way, you won't hear the last of it because we're only in December and the Olympics, we hope, uh, will take place uh, in February. Um, 
How about my Anaheim Ducks, by the way, before we get to your Washington Capitals and your great coverage between the benches with the Caps pens and that whole Star Watch thing, too, which was pretty cool. But, uh, you know, I missed you, but I had fun with uh, the boys, Z and Sonny, uh, just the three New Yorkers going at it. Uh, it. Of course, you know, Trevor is from Bedford and uh, Sonny is from Long Island, Massapequa. So uh, it was a lot of fun. But Troy Terry, who was not in the podcast, but a friend of whatever. He's just so great. The way he won, just so smooth, a penalty shot, the uh, only goal in a victory. I mean, they just came off a road trip that was 3-1-1. One, and one. The Again, the beauty of sort of like not being able to go out and do this and do that, and you have to be careful among the COVID situation. Teams get to bond, and you can either choose to hole up in your hotel room and not bond with your teammates, um, and that's a mistake. But the Ducks, have found this opportunity. Trevor Zegers talked about it. Troy Terry has talked about it. They're really bonding on the road. And it's a big reason why, as we talk now, Emily, they're in first place in the Pacific Division. And uh, I, again, I think they can sustain it. It's going to go down to the wire, you know, making the postseason. But I think they'll be right there in the conversation. And they're getting great backup goaltending from Anthony Stolarz, who was a cast-off years ago from Edmonton. And the guy's got like a 925, 930 save percentage. I think he's five and two this year. He had the shutout last night. I'm just they're getting contributions from everywhere. So that's kind of cool. Yeah, they have played more games than anyone else, but it is neat to see them above that standings in the Pacific Division. I'm with you. I think that they can hold on for a playoff spot because there's just enough in their DNA. And it's just it's funny just how things change so fast. Like, I feel like it was just a few weeks ago. I was making calls over there like, OK, John Gibson at the trade deadline. Would he want to go somewhere? And it's like, no, he's committed to this team. And you're like scratching your head like, why? And now you look at them here and you're like, oh, maybe this is why. And let's not forget yeah. too, that they fired their general manager throughout all of this and abuse claims. So it's pretty impressive resilience by this group. You mentioned the Capitals and I did yes. ask about that game. I was between the benches, Caps, Pens. Um, it was super fun. And obviously we blew it out as a network because it was our first OV SID game that we had. Um, it was just so interesting to observe both of their leadership styles on the bench. Firstly, SID, as you might imagine, is very quiet. OV, meanwhile, He's fired up in the first period, uh, the Penguins first goal, um, Daniel Sprong was on the ice and Ovechkin literally got on the ice to go up to Daniel Sprong and say, F you, man, like you messed up assignment, <laughs> reamed into him to skate it away. And then by the third period, it was wild because Tom Wilson was out of the game with an upper body injury. And guess who's playing on Ovechkin's line? Daniel Sprong. Daniel Sprong. And it was just kind of funny to see how that all works. But you can see just the intensity level with Ovechkin and every single thing he does. And uh, one of the things I wanted to talk about in the broadcast um, is that Ovi is just obsessed with stars from other sport. He wants to be great. He wants to know why others are great. He had the opportunity to meet Neymar before that meant a lot to him. He met Kobe Bryant twice. Kobe gave him a pair of his shoes that apparently Ovi views as one of his most prized possessions. Um, he pays attention to what Tom Brady is doing and his diet. He obviously doesn't follow suit. We can get into that with my report on the soda. Um, but one thing too, that was really interesting is that Roger Federer um, is someone that Ovechkin really looks up to. And Roger Federer, after he had twins, everyone was asking him, oh, are you going to retire and be with your kids? And Federer is like, no, it's so important for me to have them see me continue to win grand slams and play at an elite level. And that is a direct inspiration for Alex Ovechkin now because his young son, Sergei, 
is all around the rink. He loves hockey. He loves being around the guys. You can tell Ovi just wants to groom him into the next greatest star. And I almost feel like that is as rejuvenating for Ovechkin as anything he's doing right now and why he's playing at this insane level where he's averaging a career high in assists per game. Yeah. And that's what's so cool. And I've seen those videos of Sergey, and he's adorable and he's already got great hands. So, you know, I think he's following in his dad's footsteps. Uh, you know, that's for sure. Uh, yeah. Before I jump to another topic, I found that amazing. I cannot, I'm kind of jealous that Alex Ovechkin gets to eat like, you know, Italian food and drink. I'll let you, uh, people who don't know, you, uh, you um, uncovered the big dark secret. What is really the liquid in that Gatorade bottle? It's so weird. Because, so guys, as you know, Linda, like right in front of them, everyone has their individualized bottle. And in COVID yeah. times, everything is numbered. It's like by their number. Here's number 10, here's number 14. And then obvious two. there's an eight sitting in front of him. And then there's an eight to the side. And it's <laughs> literally brown liquid. It's soda in it. Um, it believed to be Coca-Cola always. Although I talked to some people around the caps and I was told actually in the Middle of games, he likes to drink Pepsi and in intermissions, it's Dr. Pepper. And I literally did see him come off for shifts when he needed a little extra swig, look for it and take it and then get back out there. And I'm just like, I don't even know if I could walk down the street with sugar like soda. It's too much sugar for me. And the fact that he can play these shifts and games is unbelievable. That said, a little back recording here. Um, it still might be Coca-Cola because Coke is obviously uh, Obi's favorite brand. And the reason someone might have just said Pepsi to me is a couple years back, Ted Leonsis made Capital One Arena a Pepsi arena. So you got to appease the bosses and say the right things. Either way, he's drinking it and it's absolutely ridiculous. He's drinking cola. Remember, that's the generic name of both Pepsi and Coke. And the thing is, but you know, if I'm comparing those, I would think Pepsi would be better. It's flatter. You know, it's a flat drink, not as fizzy. Can you imagine coming off the ice? And needing something, and then you got like bubbles up your nose as you if it goes down the wrong pipe when you do it's like you know, drinking club soda. I'm testing it out. I'm having a Topo Chico as we record now, and I don't know, maybe I'm feeling a little fizzy. Maybe I can't finish the podcast. It reminds me of the pilot for Ted Lasso when he's sitting up there meeting the media <laughs> for the first time, and he thought he takes a uh, slug of what he thought was water and it was like fizzy, and he spit it out a couple of times on the reporters in the front row. Hilarious. By the way, I'm late to the party. I'm finally watching Ted Lasso now. Yes. So I'm one of those people. I I just, you know, I'd rather rewatch, you know, SVU and Schitt's Creek 5,000 times before I, you know, jump on another show, but I've jumped on. I'm not getting off because my daughter, Sammy says, Oh my God, mom, you would love this. It's a, it's feel good. I go, but honey, I go, I usually don't like the feel good stuff. I like the drama. I like the terror. I like the challenges. I like adversity. No, she goes, you'll like a lot of these characters. It's sad too. It's you'll like it. I trust my daughter. So I think it took that for me to get on board with Ted Lasso. Can we give a shout out to one of my favorite people, Bruce Boudreaux? Bruce, there it is. Bruce, there it is. 4-0, has not lost, having fun with the Canucks. Uh, it's all good. He's having fun with the media like he always does. The players love him. The, it's the wake-up call, the two guys that we've been talking about, what's wrong with them, Brock Besser, Elias Patterson. Elias Patterson had his first even strength goal last night and only his second goal in 16 games. Brock Besser has come alive, looked like the Brock Besser me and you both know. And uh, they're having fun. I mean, they already had the goaltending with Demko and he's still doing good. They're 4-0 under Bruce Boudreaux. Love it. Yeah. You know, people are like, why didn't they make this change sooner? It was clear that this team was just in a bad place and whatever needed to get done to finally 
pull the trigger and make a coaching change didn't get done. They were so low in confidence that someone like Bruce Boudreaux was the perfect antidote to what they were going through because he comes in and he's known as a player's coach. He's adapted many times in his career, but he's always been someone who puts his players in the best positions to be themselves, to play freely. He definitely a big structure guy or hammering in the X's and O's. And you think of someone like Elias Pettersson where it's like, you know, it's all there for him skill wise, but it's probably mental of why he's having some of these big lapses and, and lack of production. And maybe he just needed a change of juju. And that's exactly what Bruce Boudreaux is. It's also interesting to see Ju- Jim Rutherford come in there in that general yep. manner, interim GM or president of hockey ops position. He's someone who's also changed a couple of different times in his career after Carolina, he went to Pittsburgh, made some bold moves and now he's here. And you just feel like, okay, finally, maybe there's a direction with the Vancouver Canucks. Um, but you do wonder, this is one of those organizations that the ownership is just so hands-on. So how much say do these two guys really have? Yeah, he, he's Trader Jim. So if they can keep this going and Bruce Boudreaux can get these guys in position or close, come, you know, when, we're, when they're competing for a wild card spot, I mean, Trader Jim will be at it. You know, he will find a way to, you know, help this team win. Um, you mentioned the freedom. I think young players need that freedom, right? I mean, that's what Bruce Boudreaux does. Like if a young player makes a mistake, I'm not a big believer of benching the guy and teaching him a lesson and letting the other players know it. You know, you fall off the bike, you get back on. You throw that player right back out on the ice. And let's see, you know, they know they did wrong. They don't need to have, you know, a whole declaration and a proclamation. They've seen it. Everybody's seen it in the arena. Throw him back out. And that's what Bruce Boudreaux does. He has faith. He has confidence. And I think we're seeing that with the young players, and they are definitely reacting to it. So uh, it'll be fun. The Pacific Division has become a fun division, which when we didn't expect it. So, and now Vegas is coming on. Calgary now has this setback. But, you know, Chandler Stevenson, I mean, he hears all the time, hey, they don't have a number one center. Well, they got Jack Eichel now, four assists night for Chandler Stevenson. He's like, how do you think he goes through life like hearing this all the time, you know? And now, you know, I mean, he's probably team first, but you know, he's, it's just like, if I'm Chandler Stevenson, I'm like, what, what about me? You know, am I that bad? You know, so it's gonna, you know, obviously when Eichel comes back, gets in shape and all that, and his play play ready and everything takes a few hits, he'll be right there. Number right in the center there between the great Max Pacioretty and Mark Stone. But I just want to shout out also Chandler Stevenson, who's, he's been team first and, Blocks out the noise about that he's not good enough to be a number one center. Now, of course, Jack Eichel is good enough to be the number one center. And I'm, you know, but I just think how certain players handle situations. I'm very proud of them. So, yeah, before we know it, Vegas is going to be right up there again. And uh, again, there's a part of me that's rooting for the Ducks to win the Pacific. I just want to get them in the playoffs. But I think we all believe we started out thinking that the Vegas Golden Knights are going to be the team on top uh, going into the playoffs. I'm so with you. And the, the truth is they're going to have to make a move roster wise to fit Jack Eichel's contract in once he's healthy. So that's definitely a team to keep an eye on. I'm um, just a couple more injury updates because we're talking about, sure. Eichel and I did have that Penn's caps game. It really feels like we are firstly much closer for Nick Backstrom getting into the lineup for the first time this season, which is super exciting. The goal is for him to get at least one to two games before Christmas. Um, and then he can rest his hip over that Christmas break. See how it feels. I think Ovi wants, I think Ovi wants to kick him out of his own house and his wife has had it with him eating all the breakfast cereal. Great commercial, by the way. So amazing. I had to jump in there. <laughs> uh, penguins are a little tougher to get information on just as a franchise, but we have seen Evgeny Malkin around the team. Um, he's practicing with them. Uh, 
we're right around that time frame where he's supposed to come back. So I wouldn't be shocked if we see him in the next two weeks. And I just want to give a shout out to Mike Sullivan because it feels like every year the Penguins have just been decimated by injuries. And the latest was Jake Gensel, who was just playing out of his mind and is now out for a period of time after what appeared to be an injury from blocking a shot with his hand. Um, but they just get it done. And that was a really convincing at first, especially win against Washington at home. They went up three zero with a big rivalry game. They've just figured out ways to get points, especially without so many of these guys in their lineup and imagine what they'd be like if they've got Sid, Gino and Gensel all at the same time. Yeah. Uh, opponents don't want to imagine it because they're going to be seeing that in the second half of the season. So that is frightening. And yeah, Mike Sullivan right now is a Jack Adams, uh, you know, candidate finalist along with, I would say Dallas Aikens, yeah, and you can make a case for a couple others as well. One other thing just I noticed in that Caps pen game, you know, when I looked over the Penguins bench, one of the loudest coaches, Mike Sullivan likes to yell, but maybe even louder was Todd Reardon, who's now coaching <laughs> the defenseman. And I had a chance to catch up with Todd Reardon in between the second and third period. And I asked him, I was like, is this weird for you? Because remember, he was the Caps coach and he was the guy that followed Barry Trotz, didn't do well those last two or three years, never really got a fair, good shake, whatever it was, didn't connect with the players and he was out. And he's like, yeah, you know, last year, especially, it was really weird. Like I was with this organization six years and you can tell this meant a lot to him to come into this building and prove that he's still a good coach. And I know he wants to be a head coach again in the league, but he's doing a pretty good job with Pittsburgh's defenseman. Another guy I need to give a shout out to, Chris Letang's having an awesome season. He sure is. And uh, amazing. he's also the player that came closest to slicing my face off this season in the opening night when he put a skate plate up on my bench and it was pretty close to my face. Other than that, he's great. But it, he, did, he didn't see you standing there. What was the issue? <laughs> the issue was you were too close. Get away from the, the ice. is more important than me. <laughs> and I think they had too many men on the ice and he was trying to uh, get off the bench. Oh, right. As quick as possible. Not seeing who was leg around that included a very sharp skate blade, but lo and behold, my face was another day. A couple of really great games on ESPN plus hockey night, Tuesday night on ESPN plus, uh, you know, hurricanes wild. And then of course, Rangers avalanche before we jump into it, Emily, and find out if you're doing anything regarding any of those games or just your take. I read some great stuff on Chris Kreider. I'm still trying to get him on this podcast. You know, he's not Mr. Talkative. It's going to happen. I'm going to get Chris Kreider, number one appreciation podcast. He's got to come on. I mean it. it. He's got to come on. We're going to say, and he will. Uh, But I've been reading some great things. And, you know, obviously he's, he's, uh, he's going to be on the all-star team this year. He's got 17 goals. Only Leon Dreisaitl has more power play goals than Chris Kreider. And I found it very interesting. He, uh, in the off season, uh, talked to um, and kind of compared notes with Cam Atkinson. Cam Atkinson, if you remember, played with Artemi Panarin in Columbus, had his best year in the National Hockey League. And Chris Kreider, before the season, got notes from Cam Atkinson about best ways to take advantage of the greatness of Artemi Panarin. What position? Now, we always know Kreider's in front of the net. He always used to be the guy, the big power forward, screening the goaltender. But he has developed into this elite player because now he's deflecting pucks. He knows where to be. He knows where to receive the passes, not only from Panarin, but it could be Zibanejad, Strom, the guys that make it work on the Ranger power play. He, this is a big reason why, and Cam Atkinson deserves some credit here, because he uh, explained to Chris Kreider, this is how you do it. This is where you should be. You actually should be behind the goalie, side of the net, all these different things. And it's a big reason why he has 17 goals already this year. He's on pace to score 50 goals, Emily. Chris Kreider. I love that. 
Yeah. So Chris Kreider, come on the podcast. There's no other podcast in the country that talks you up this much. I'll just put it that way. <laughs> right. And we always vote for him or Jacob Truba, our other favorite, to be captain of this team. So nobody does that more than Emily and I, for goodness okay, sake. Real quick, we have to, because you mentioned Jacob Truba, what to make yeah. of every single game we see him and he's got another huge open ice hit. They all seem to be legal, but they are leaving guys injured. Yeah, they can be carrying off on stretchers. I'm not kidding. I mean, it's kind of frightening for him. But every hit, those three hits that we have talked about, we talked to the other two last week uh, when we were on the podcast. Now this one um, to McDonald, uh, legal hit. You know, hey, I say to Jacob Truba, listen, if you can handle it mentally, seeing the guys you hit being carried off on a stretcher, they're fine. Okay, keep that up. Keep it up. Because until they change the rules, you know, wake us up because you're not doing anything wrong and you're inspiring your team. I just think he's such a great teammate. He has really become a true blue ranger. Yeah. There's just no one in the league right now delivering open hits, right. Ice hits quite like him. Like that was a thing in years past. And, you know, there was guys that did it dirty, like all Samuelson back in the day, back in the day. Yeah, exactly. Everything Jacob Truba is doing is by the book. Um, I'd be curious just to see his take of, you know, how he feels about everything, but again, playing within the rules. Um, I know like, for example, Jujar Kara, like they exchange messages, they actually share an agent. Um, and it, oh, it's see? perfect. Yeah, Kara, I think is doing okay. Um, I'm curious about his future though, just because he's had so many concussions and I want the best for him. Um, but yeah, you mentioned the two games this week. I'll actually be between the benches, wild hurricanes. I'm really excited for that one because those are two teams I've been dying to see live two teams that I think could go really far this year. I'm hopeful Sebastian Ajo is going to play. He had a non-COVID illness that kept him out there last game. So fingers crossed there, but should be a goal, great goaltending battle too. Freddie Anderson's a guy I know you and I are both super high on. Cam Talbot has been playing unbelievably well yes. for the Minnesota Wild, one of the sleeper goalies of the year. Um, and I'm just excited to see this game. I'm just predicting a ton of goals. Honestly, a ton of goals in both of these games. This is a big offense. Wait a minute. ESPN. You just you just complimented the <laughs> goaltending, and then you're saying you're going to see a lot of goals between Minnesota and Carolina. Big goaltending with a lot of goals. They're not okay. Oh, okay, okay. I did see men. I was between the benches for Minnesota when they came out to Anaheim, and you know Cam Talbot. He's one of those goaltenders that never gets mentioned, and he should in the top five goalies in the league. He's a workhorse, puts in the minutes, makes the timely saves, and you know what? He sh- I, he. I believe he's on the ballot coming out of the Central Division. Uh, in the all-star ballot. So I would not be surprised if he ends up in the all-star game this year. That's how great he's playing. Yeah, that's going to be fun. Uh, that group, Matty Zuccarello, Kirill Kaprizov, you're going to have fun uh, watching those guys uh, at work and the chemistry that they have. And by the way, after our last podcast, when you rip my guy, Kevin Fiala, what did he do? He scored his fourth of the year. So keep working, Kevin Fiala. He had a poor start to the year, which is Total fact. That's not even an opinion. All right. You're going to come back from the game and you're like, Linda, I can't believe it. He was so great. I can't, I'm telling you, I think, so I think Emily, you're going to, it's going to work out in his favor uh, um, and they're going to do well. You'll hear my voice during those two games. I'll be doing cut-ins during both those games. And then, uh, um, then I will be uh, hosting in the crease on Thursday. And then uh, who knows what, oh, and then Friday I'll be between the benches. The Ducks host Arizona. But we can get more into the Arizona stuff on Thursday when we rejoin on this In the Crease podcast. So uh, we'll all see you then. And uh, Emily, uh, keep safe. Look out for those skate blades. And uh, we'll talk to you next time. Bye.